Hello, uh, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Karen Evans, who's an Alexander Technique teacher uh, a bit north of Birmingham, England, and we're going to talk today a bit about working uh, Alexander Technique uh, application to working with horseback riders and also horses. Uh, Karen, welcome to the show. Hi, Robert. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to to have you on. Um, I wonder if you could begin by just giving our listeners a very short uh, description or definition of the Alexander Technique. Yeah, I can. It's it's a good question because there are so many ways of defining it, but the way I've chosen is the way I always start with a beginning lesson, which is the study of thinking in relation to movement. Mm-hmm. And how, how I assume the way we think affects the quality of our movement. Would that be another way of yeah, putting it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what we do is go through a process of looking more closely at that thinking process, seeing what's holding us back, what's helping us, mm-hmm. and how we can change it to help our movements and our life even more. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, uh, the idea that how you think about movement uh, affects the actual movement might come as a little bit of a surprise. A complete shock, uh, a lot of that. Shock, They've never yeah. ever thought about it. Yeah. So, um, of course, Alexander Technique teachers work with a wide range of people, and there is um, a fairly uh, long tradition, I would say, of working with horseback riders. There are a number of teachers who specialize in that, um, my sense is that's not your main specialty, but in response to a blog that I posted a few weeks ago, you wrote a very interesting comment about uh, a recent experience of yours working with horseback riders and then, uh, perhaps even more interesting, uh, working with horses. Yeah. So I wonder if you could talk a little about that. Uh, Yeah, sure. As you say, I don't really have a speciality. And this was very new to me. I've worked with riders before, but never actually on horseback. So I kind of jumped at the chance. And working with the riders was very, very fascinating because of the feedback they got from the horses. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting that. I'm not sure they were expecting that either. But when I did hands-on with them and then off they went round the riding arena to try it, their instant response was, oh, he thinks it's different or she thinks it's different depending on the horse. Mm-hmm. So the the idea there is that the horse is pretty sensitive to what the rider is doing. Yeah. And, Sometimes uh, yeah, yeah, more than the rider is. Yeah, cases. more than the rider. Yeah, I can I can believe that. I think people who ride uh like sort of uh, equestrian experts, I guess, are don't wouldn't find that all that surprising, but um I think people who are not as familiar with horses w- would be a bit surprised by that. Yes. Well, certainly the horses are trained to pick up signals, and I think all most riders will be aware of that. Mm-hmm. But I think the subtlety and the nuances and the degree to which this was going on was a bit of a surprise to all of us. Yeah, and so we had that um, uh, interaction, 
And um, then in in your in your um, posting on my blog, you you said that in fact um, the most interesting thing that happened to you. Well, first of all, of course, working with the riders did change the way the horses moved, right? That was yeah. one thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't think that would be a big shock to uh, a lot of horseback riders. But um, what I think uh, you found particularly interesting was uh, the little bit of work you did uh, with, with the horses directly. And could yeah. you talk a little about that? Yeah, it was the end of the lesson and I'd agreed with them. They were happy for me to work with their horses. So that's what I did. You kind of extrapolate, well, I don't know horse anatomy, but they have a head and it's on top of a neck and there's going to be muscles and just kind of convert what you do with humans into something with horses. And the reaction I got was, again, not what I expected. I'd heard from colleagues, oh, horses love hands-on work. They think it's marvelous. Mm-hmm. And it was different. There are two horses and two entirely different reactions. And one horse was perfectly content for me to do hands-on work and changed enormously. A huge reaction so much so that his rider, who was still sitting in the saddle at this point, was saying, oh, I felt that all the way down his spine. And that was through the saddle, the changes, which I suppose you think, oh, what's he doing changing down there? But it's just a horse's spine. It just goes horizontal, whereas a human spine is vertical. Mm-hmm. And on when they talked about the personality of the horse, he's a very laid-back, amiable kind of horse. But with the other horse, it was quite a different experience because every time she got closer to changing, you could feel the muscles changing under my hands. She would pull away from my hands. She'd start shaking her head. And we'd wait a bit until she settled down and we'd try it again and she wouldn't be sure and then she'd start to change. And then she'd pull away from my hands again. Not, you know, not aggressively, but definitely giving the impression that she was not sure about this. And again, talking with her personality, her owner, Ryder, was saying, well, I've always thought she's a bit of a stressy horse. And watching her in the field, I thought, "Mm, she looks like a bit of a tense horse. And that was, it mirrors what I've noticed in human students. You Mm. get some people in lessons, and I don't know if you've noticed this, that especially at the beginning, if somebody is very laid back and easygoing, they find it easier to let go of some of these tensions. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, yeah, I, I have certainly noticed that with with human students, and and it it seems as though often it's the people who, in a way, you might think kind of need something like the Alexander technique the most, who are often the most resistant to it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I don't know whether you could sense that with the horse, with those two horses, or not. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. As looking at them, the the second horse, uh, that one who was tense, you'd say, well, yes, there is, there are the most changes to be made mm-hmm. in this horse to stop what's unnecessary, mm-hmm. and she was definitely the least sure about going ahead with this. 
Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the the comment that uh, a long time ago that prompted that blog was a comment from Marjorie Barstow, who is a very well-known Alexander technique teacher, someone who trained with Alexander and um, was was uh, as I say very well known in the Alexander world. And she she uh, had a ranch outside of town, and she wrote a lot. And uh, I uh, I once showed her a magazine article about working with horses, uh, Alexander teachers working with horses. And I said to her, and she was quite old at that point, um, she was no longer riding, and I said, um, Marge, did you ever give an Alexander lesson to a horse? And she said, she right away said, yes, of course. And then there was a very long pause. And then she said, but you better know your horse. Now, I I always interpreted that as you wanted to make sure the horse didn't kick you or something like that. But I I think uh, from your experience and thinking about it a little more, I think she was uh, thinking about personality types uh, and and how you might approach horses with different personalities in, in a different way. Yeah. So that's kind so. of an eye. It was kind of an eye opener for me. I had interpreted it one way, and uh, I think she probably meant something quite different. Well, yeah, I would. I would think it's possible if it's a very stroppy horse, they might show their disapproval by biting or kicking or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think you're absolutely right that they have such different personalities. You would need to work out different ways of working them with them, just like you do with people. Mm-hmm. I, you, you know, yeah. I think that one thing our listeners might be interested in is a little description of exactly how you worked with a horse, especially someone who wouldn't really know how you work with a human uh, in terms of your hands. Maybe you could say just a little about that. I can try without without a picture of a horse that I could point to. Right. Well, yeah, well, first of all, if, if if somebody's not seen an Alexander teacher working with a, a human being, typically you'd start by placing your hands on the head, maybe around the jaw or along the top of the neck mm-hmm. and along the, the main muscles of the neck, down the side of the neck, at the back of the neck, very gently. You know, we're not talking about throttling somebody here. Mm-hmm. And that's what I aimed to do with the horse. So I'm standing just by the horse's head and I've got one hand which is like aiming for the main muscle groups of the neck. And I'm kind of putting my my other hand underneath the horse's neck and around as if you were giving it, uh, him or her a hug, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to be much more targeted for where I think the main muscles are and where the bones are going to be underneath, which is kind of a basic awareness of anatomy, and just seeing what I can feel and what I can find and what they respond to. Mm-hmm. So in a way, um, you're, let's say, quote, talking, unquote, to the horse uh, with your hands. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're picking up information about muscle tension and... Uh, presumably making some very subtle um, suggestions with your hands about how the horse might release 
any yeah. tension that seems unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, and, and of course, that's exactly what Alexander teachers do with human beings as well. Um, it's yeah. it's interesting though that it, how well it translates to to animals and horses in yeah. particular. Yeah. And the, did you also use your hands on other parts of the horse's body? Uh, not really. We didn't re- get round to that. To be honest, I thought that was enough for one session. Again, mm-hmm. a bit like humans, there's only so much people can take on. So I didn't think, I'm not going to push my luck here. Mm-hmm. But I do intend to, um, hopefully we're going to have more sessions. So I, that's lined up for me to try. <laughs> mm-hmm. And maybe we should say that um, the the reason why I, I presume you went for the horse's neck initially, same reason with humans, that most Alexander teachers would begin working with someone with their head, their neck or upper torso, that general area yeah. is that that's kind of from an Alexander point of view, a crucial intervention point that is um, for a human, certainly your head weighs 10 to 12 pounds and there it is perched up at the top of your spine and how you manage that weight has huge implications for everything else in your body. Now, yes. for a horse, uh, I guess a horse's head is pretty heavy, but maybe not quite as heavy relative to its total weight as for a human. I don't know. and But, it, but it's out there, kind of. It's not on top of the body, uh, more way in front mm-hmm. of the body, uh, sort of this large mass out there a bit and I would assume that for a horse as well how they manage that weight at, that's at some distance from its torso uh, must make a huge difference in how uh, how it functions. Well yeah I would imagine so too because you've got this quite long neck in a horse much longer obviously in a human being mm-hmm. and one thing that struck me was looking just how much muscle a horse has in its neck compared to a human being mm-hmm. it's a big big chunky muscles and I'm thinking well if if those muscles are working too hard if they're compressing the spine at that end it's bound to have knock on effects all the way down right and not exactly analogous but pretty similar to the situation with humans that how you manage how you manage that area of your body has has implications way beyond its its actual location i suppose another thing that might be interesting to mention before we come to an end is that uh, F.M. Alexander, who was the developer of our work, had a keen interest in horses and horseback riding. He was and a racing, yes. and racing and betting on racing and <laughs> races. I mean, he was he was very into horses, and I, as I think a lot of Australians uh, were and maybe still are. And the one of the uh, words that's uh, one of the jargon terms in the Alexander world. Uh, use spelled U-S-E, which is kind of a shorthand word for how well we organize our bodies as to do things. Uh, that word apparently came from uh, horsemen in Australia at that period. They would talk about a horse's use, and uh, Alexander uh, sort of latched on to that word. 
I didn't know that about yeah. the horse use. Obviously, I knew the term as it applies to our teaching. Well, I I, I, I should that. say it's 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 not written down anywhere. It's kind of legend. I may have heard it from right. someone like Walter Carrington. I don't know, uh-huh. yeah. but I believe it's true, and certainly. I would find it hard to believe that Alexander's own experience with horses and being very good at picking winners of races by observing them and so on in his early years must have had some influence on the development of the Alexander technique, his way of thinking about movement and th- mm-hmm. thinking in movement and all Makes that you sort wonder of stuff. If, he, if he ever got to practice his hands-on work on the horse, it he would got be interesting. The- yeah, it would be interesting to know if he, uh, if he ever did. Now I know over the years a number of Alexander teachers have uh, have have worked with horses, and and um, I believe in England there's a guy who who specializes in that. Uh, I forget his name now, but there are there there's a bit of a history of that working with horses. So. Um, for anyone who's listening to this, who's a rider or knows someone who's a horseback rider, um, this might be an interesting thing to uh, to explore. Uh, Karen, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we come to an end? One little anecdote, mm-hmm. and I I don't know if this if you've seen this same film clip. You know, you mentioned Marge mm-hmm. and how she she had the ranch. I once was privileged to see a small clip of footage of her riding, mm-hmm. and it was just amazing because she looked like she belonged. You could hardly tell where Marge stopped and the horse started, and it was just wonderful to watch. And the film clip you're talking about, um, which is available online, by the way, the whole video, um, is uh, she was, uh, when that was made, she was 83 years old. And uh, there she was, hopping on a horse, taking off. Um, and, And as you said, just, it seemed like Marge and the horse kind of merged into the sunset, you know. It was it is pretty amazing. Um so uh yeah, she she uh she had a lifelong interest in horses, absolutely. And um had her had a ranch just outside of of Lincoln. So, um uh, my my guest today has been Karen Evans, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in England, just north of Birmingham, England. And if anything that we've talked about today interests you and you happen to live in the Birmingham area, we'll put a link to Karen's website uh, by the interview. Uh, We'll also put a link to a site that will enable you to find a teacher uh, anywhere else in the world. Karen, thank you so much for being on the show. I've enjoyed it, Robert. Thank you. (laughs) 